hearing teachers tell you, I care about this, my, the families in my community and the students in my classroom need this, we need this, I need this, I don't know where to find the time with everything else on my plate, I don't know where to find the time to do this work. So it, it, you know, it felt like there were so many brilliant doctoral students and master's students that I had the uh, pleasure and the privilege to learn with at Teachers College and classroom teachers as well that, were, that are alum that we could do something together as a collective. We could actually speak into this need and try to grow something that, that matters to educators and to, to students. MassCollab is a hub for multimodal and digital scholarship that explores the relationship between media and our changing society. We support, curate, and create media intended to spark dialogue and social change, and the development of pedagogy that uses media to foster civic engagement. MassLab is located in the Communication, Media, and Learning Technology Design Program at Teachers College, Columbia University. The Just Lit Project curates resources that center multimodal explorations of social change through young adult and children's literature, media production, and popular culture. The MassLab affiliated project features an Instagram account with texts that foster an ethos of civic engagement and social change that can inform K-12 curriculum development. I spoke with the founder of the Just Lit Project, Professor Dietrich Price-Dennis, who you heard at the top of the episode, to learn more about where the idea for the Just Lit Project came from. I am an associate professor in um, mathematics, science, and education at Teachers College, Columbia University. I've been there for a few years, and before that, I was at the University of Texas at Austin, and I did my um, doctoral work at The Ohio State University. Um, And so (laughs) across all of those spaces, before that, I was a classroom teacher. And the reason why I mention that is because across all of those spaces, my work has sort of um, had this organic shift where some of the things that I began thinking about as a baby teacher are influencing a lot of the work that I do now um, as a more seasoned, sort of to say this, or mid-career <laughs> um, researcher. And so my work really looks at the intersection of equity, curriculum development, and technology. And what does it mean to really work with K-12 teachers? And in my case, I specifically focus on K-8 teachers to think about equity-oriented pedagogies, ways that they can make their classroom instruction center equity that's around social change and social action that's respectful and honors the complexities and all of the brilliance of the students in their classroom, particularly students of color. So Just Lit kind of sits at the intersection of, of my scholarship. And about four years ago, maybe five at this point, I created a social justice children's literature course at Teachers College. And I really was thinking about this, this framework, hashtag social justice literacies. And I thought, that's kind of a lot to make a project out of. And I was actually talking to my brilliant colleague, Lalitha Vasudevan, shout out to Lalitha. And we were, I was literally brainstorming on a piece of paper. I wish I could find it because it's in one of my million notebooks that I keep, um, where I was just drawing all of these different names and circles and just trying to figure out how do I capture the essence of what I'm learning 
in this social justice children's literature course that I'm teaching um, that, again, is thinking about equity, social justice, social change in socio-technical spaces with literature at that point. Um, but how do I expand it to think about text more broadly? Um, so to think about media, to think about popular culture, um, you know, to think about and text, right? All of those things that kind of inform what's happening in our culture and, and then within the culture of youth. And she said, well, why don't you just shorten it to just lit? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> what a brilliant idea. So that's sort of where the name came from. But the idea grew out of um, just my work and my scholarship and really trying to, at that time, work on a book about social justice children's literature and realizing that I didn't want to just focus on literature. So it's funny, you start writing a book on something, you're like, and this isn't really what I want to write this book about. I really want to think about literature and critical media literacy and equity-oriented curriculum development. Um, those are all the things I really wanted to put in. And, and again, that work stemmed back from 1997. So I kept thinking, how do I, how do I take all of this information I've been thinking about since the 90s and um, looking at it in classrooms and then try to do something with it that is more updated that actually speaks to the moment that we're in right now. Um, and so many educators are clamoring for resources to inform what's happening in their classroom. And I, to be honest, just ran out of time trying to respond to people's emails. And so many of them were about resources. And I thought there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way for us to talk and share and um, you know, get information out there for educators and for families as well to use with their students. In addition to talking to Deitra, I spoke with JustLit team members Noelle Mapes and Janice Mateo Toledo about how they got involved with the project and how it informs their work as educators. So my name is Janice Mateo Toledo. I am an educator um, in the Hastings and Hudson School District in Westchester County. I'm the Director of Diversity. Um, in my free time, I am the co-chair of the Jane Addams Children's Book Awards, which is something that I truly enjoy doing. And um, I also work in uh, doing my own kind of side gigs, um, working with uh, creating book fairs. So uh, those are some of the things that I've been working on. So with the Just Lit group, I'm uh, so in my other free time, I'm a doctoral candidate at Teachers College and Dietra is my advisor. And I met her in a uh, children's literature course. And I just knew that I needed to work with her. It didn't matter what it was, but I knew that after this course was over, I needed to have some sort of relationship with her. Um, so uh, I asked her to meet my advisor. And um, once, we, once she became my advisor, she started inviting me to participate in um, writings or in uh, workshops. Um, and, that's, and then she started the Just Lit program and she asked me if I was interested. And of course I was. So I jumped in and I got to meet you and other amazing women who are super smart and totally dedicated to uh, racial literacy. Um, and it's been exciting for me. It's been an opportunity for me to learn as well. Uh, so it's been, it's been great. I'm Noelle Mapes. I'm a third grade teacher at PS 142 on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. I went to grad school at Teachers College and I got to have Dietra as my professor and we just connected. We have a forever friendship based around social justice and children's literature. And um, how did I come to Just Lit? I mean, it's really, I feel like all of us will just do anything Dietra asks us to do. 
where like anything teacher does, we're like, how can I get involved? But yeah, I, I wanted to join because I'm always interested in communities of teachers who are committed to the same thing. We're often put into groups of colleagues that are committed to students in general, and then that commitment just manifests in different ways. And so I'm really interested in being with teachers who want to use children's literature, especially diverse children's literature, to like inform and form the foundation for anti-racist pedagogy. So my kids like are really the ones who drove me because every time we would talk about anti-racism or issues of injustice, they're super engaged. So it's not just like something that I think is interesting. It's something that heightens their engagement and it heightens the urgency of the normal work that we're doing. Like if we're doing a data unit in math, of course it's interesting because data is interesting, but it becomes way more compelling when they're analyzing data in their everyday lives um, through like a social justice lens. So that's why I wanted to join Just Lit, mostly just for the community and then also um, because the resources that we talk about and the resources that we kind of go through are really beneficial in my day-to-day life with my kids. Like I've used so many books that people have brought up or from our racial literacy forum, I connected with a lot of those teachers and it's been fun to share lesson plans and unit plans and stuff. Katie Harlan Eller, who is the graduate assistant for Just Lit, also discussed the project as being a community, which has been important to her both personally and professionally. So I'm Katie Harlan Eller, and I am a second year PhD student at Teachers College in their English education department. I started my degree after being a mostly classroom teacher for 15 years. I was in education that whole time, but for two of the years in the middle, I was a lead teacher curriculum facilitator at my campus. Um, So I entered my program and I have a few hats that I'm wearing. A big one is the Just Lit Project. And so I get to work on all sides of that project with, with Dietra and getting to help with our Instagram account, with the professional development we're doing, with the research we're doing. And I also happen to be a Zankel fellow with her working with Noelle and her third graders on the Lower East Side. So Just Lit, I think is important because in, in one, well, in a lot of ways. For one, it's the community community of people that I'm working with to curate these things. And there are people who have um, just all, we all have like a different range of backgrounds and resources. So getting to like pull together the things that are meaningful to us means that we're constantly learning from each other. Um, It's important to me, I think, as someone who likes social media and goes to Instagram for some professional development and resources and inspiration. And so I love that it puts all of that together. It is sort of like professional development, inspiration, ideas. Um, And we are growing the community as far as the Instagram account. We're growing the community of people we're interacting with. Um, And so... It's just kind of been a place that um, is sort of seeding growth in a lot of ways, both within the community that's forming around creating the content, but also engaging other um, people who care about social change and the different resources that are out there to support that work. Each month, the Just Lit Project team chooses a specific theme to focus on and curate resources around. 
So far, this has included themes such as democracy is a verb, environmental justice, and our feminism is intersectional. But perhaps one of the most popular has been the very first set of resources the team curated around the theme of racial literacy during January of 2020. With the protests that took place this past summer, following the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and far too many other Black people, these resources became extremely valuable to educators looking to help their students understand what was taking place. Bringing together everything from children's books to podcasts like the 1619 Project and music such as Solange's The Seat at the Table, the racial literacy resources curated by the Just Lit team truly span a wide range of modalities, topics, and voices. To understand how the Just Lit Project was able to tackle such a huge and complex topic, I started by talking with Dietra about what racial literacy means to her and how it informed the curation of those resources. Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, so I think about it as a skill and a practice um, that examines the existence of racism, um, the conditions that shape it, the conditions that reflect it, the conditions that reinforce it, all with sort of this goal of disrupting it and dismantling it. So for me, I see it as this really juicy verb <laughs> full of agency and resistance. Um, and so when you put that into a classroom and you sort of have that ethos inform your 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 pedagogy, your curriculum development, your interactions with children who aren't in your classroom, your interactions with family, your interactions with anybody in your community, you are really thinking about the ways that power and hierarchies are circulating in those spaces and the moment by moment decisions you make to either um, subscribe and reinforce them or interrupt them and, and change the direction, right? And so I, I feel like racial literacy should give us some tools to work with around that, that we have to continue to to move into skill and practice, to keep working on. I don't think it's something we ever get to check off and say, we're done. Um, and I think part of it, part of that work, particularly in K-12 classrooms, and I'll just speak more specifically to K-8, is developing more of an emotional intelligence around talking about racism, race, white supremacy, um, all of those topics, because so frequently teachers will say to me, talking about race is so hard. And, you know, I don't want to take away the feelings that many of them have about that. But I kind of push back and say, you know, don't put the burden on race. Race isn't the problem. The problem is racism and, and white supremacy and the hierarchies that creates. So talking to children about race should feel very freeing. Where it gets maybe more complicated for you is when you have to name white supremacy is the reason why talking about race is complicated. And that is tough to do, right? Because those are conversations that, you know, you have a five-year-old's very different than 12-year-old's and those children are in the same building. So I get it. I just want to sometimes, or not even sometimes, all the time push back and let people know, let's not put the burden on race. Let's really name it, the burden. Let's put it where it belongs, right? On white supremacy and racism. Just Lit's first iteration of coming right out of the box thinking about racial literacy was to try to, to curate a collection that could speak to all of those things. Um, and to speak to a collection, particularly around the children and young adult literature, that didn't just focus on the suffering and pain of people of color, particularly Black folks, that we were showing um, the joy and the happiness and the creativity and the resilience and the resistance and also the sorrow and the pain, right? So it's 
it's these complicated, nuanced things that make us who we are. So we don't just have one narrative define us. Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. And sometimes you'll get someone throwing Frederick Douglass, even though that's rare. But, you know, everything is not rooted in oppression for, for Black folks. That joy and resistance and resilience and beauty and creativity, all of those things make us who we are. And if we're going to talk about racial literacy, we have to bring all of that to bear. So anyway, that's what the goal was with this first set of curated resources to try to, to tell a more full human story. I feel like what I like about the racial literacy definitions that we use in the Just Lit community is that we hold multiple things at once. So I'm sure Dietra talked about what are the three things like acknowledging agency, existence of racism. Oh, did she not talk about it? Okay, yeah. So there's like these three components that she and Dr. Celia Ruiz came up with. And I know that they're putting out a book about it at some point. But um, they all exist at once. And so it's like acknowledging agency, examining the existence of racism, and investigating effects of race on lived experiences. And so thinking about all of those factors with racial literacy in an education system, just coming at it as a teacher, um, I really like holding all that nuance because it's a lot of things at once. It's it's students thinking about, okay, how am I complicit? And then what can I do? It's like understanding historical context of racism and how that occurs in present day in different ways. And then thinking about the effects of racism on their own lived experiences and then people's experiences around them. Um, I feel like a lot of racial literacy related things that I've seen for teachers are often kind of I mean, no shade, but like lists of books with like brown and black characters. And that's important. And it's something that is critical to libraries. And, um, you know, we wouldn't even have that if it wasn't for the foundational work of like Dr. Rudine Sims Bishop and Windows and Mirrors and thinking about representation. And I think there's like a lot more that teachers are wanting. Like we don't just need a list of books. We also want to understand why it is that we need these curated for us and why they're not um, centered in our curricula. Like, why is it that we need to go outside of the curricula that we're given and the standards that we're given and required to teach in order to do things that are like truly meaningful and actually disrupt um, the systems that are a problem to our students and to ourselves. When interviewing members of the Jesslet team, one of the first things that each of them brought up was the importance of the format of the Jesslet project. Using social media, specifically Instagram, to reach teachers is an integral part of the project. Even further, ensuring that there are a wide range of modalities represented in these resources allows teachers to spark new conversations and cover these topics in ways that they might not have considered before. Janice, Katie, and Dietra discussed this in relation to racial literacy specifically. You know, I think one, the first thing that comes to mind is just like the multiplicity of resources. You know, the fact that I think we all see what we're doing as more than books, which we all love. We're all like literacy people and expanding the idea of text and realizing that racial literacy is informed by the videos we watch and the music we listen to and people that we follow on social media and relationships that we're cultivating. And so I think the first thing that comes to mind is just that it's very like deep and wide. There's, it's multimodal. So I, 
so to me, it's, it's that part of it because we like have specifically worked with teachers on cultivating racial literacy with children's literature, but in the sense of racial literacy, you know, nurturing through our Instagram account, it's this way of saying there's lots of things that can support your racial literacy more than children's books, which we, again, we love and we want to use those with our kids and we encourage teachers to use those, but we're also saying, I feel like there's just this multiplicity of things that can inform that for you. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. Think about racial literacy, you know, five years ago. Um, when I talked in my district about creating a racial literacy course, it was like, why would you want to do that? You know, that makes no sense and blah, 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 blah. And it was, but, um, and now, of course, you know, everything that happened. And after George Floyd, we were suddenly, my school district was suddenly seen as the leaders in this. So I feel like just lit may be in that situation right now. Sometimes you're a little bit ahead of your time. I just feel like it's important to think about. So how, how can we start honing these other resources, these other things? Because like I said before, the, the next generation is really not interested in these, you know, books. <laughs> they just, they just don't want to do this anymore. At least that's been my experience and my, my kids are younger and, and that's just their experience. And they learn a lot through social media. That's where they get their news. Um, another perfect example is in my course that I teach, they have, um, we have a, they do a, a research project, um, and they talk about media. And when I created the assignment, I said, you know, so uh, maybe that they'd have to find r- racism in a television show. And I remember when I said that and kids were like, who watches TV? Like who watches a television show? And I was just like, I really felt like, oh my God, <laughs> I must've just aged myself. And um, they were talking about, well, can we can we write about YouTube, like racism in YouTube? Or can we write about race? And they started, you know, can we write about racism in video games? And like just all of these different um, spaces where racism will, will, will rear its ugly head. And I hadn't thought about it. So um, that's why I feel like this Just Lit is so important because it's starting to it's, it's, I feel like it's moving and it's shifting that conversation away from just the traditional textbook. A lot of people say, well, why don't you just write a curriculum around these books? And I really resist um, doing prefab curriculum and I've resisted it my entire career. And I am so grateful that my preparation and education was not rooted in prefab curriculum. It was very much rooted in professionalization of educators. And prefab curriculum doesn't honor that belief. If, if I believe that you don't have the skill set and the knowledge to develop curriculum from resources, then I'm not sure what your preparation, you know, did for you. And I, I have to believe that teachers are professionals. Um, and yes, there are ways that we can give them templates and schemas and, and frameworks to build on. Absolutely. But to say, open up the book and then say this. And then on this page, say this, and on this page, say that, it assumes a static particular audience of children. And so you have to have someone in mind when you write this prefab curriculum. And so the default is usually white kids. And so I find so many equity-oriented prefab curriculums really center whiteness and don't allow you to say what you just said, Ajene, you know, you might have a black teacher looking at this with all black kids. 
how would you make a prefab curriculum that, that you know, could really attain to that in the same way that you would do for a white teacher who has never talked about race or racism or white supremacy in their life, right? So if you gotta, if you're gonna make that, then, then automatically you are centering some perspective and you're leaving out a lot of other ones. And I, so I've resisted it for that reason. And I just want to name that because I know that that's, that's always been a tension. And it's funny because this fall, the tension's coming back up again in the project. But I feel really strongly about not, uh, about not going in that direction and um, really trying my best to figure out how we can support without making assumptions about who our audience and who, who our audience is and then who their children are. To wrap things up, I decided to ask Dietra where she saw the Just Lit project going in the future. As someone who worked on the project when it was just getting started, it was really exciting to hear all of the hopes that she has for the project going forward. Oh, I love that question. And because this has been such an organic, really um, fun journey to just dream with other, at this moment, brilliant women across so many demographics and identity markers, um, it is every meeting, every conversation is always full of hope and possibility. And so when I think about, gosh, what, what, what do we hope for this? Um, I really hope at the right now, the stage we're at, that it'll provide educators with options um, for text and resources to include in their instruction and text that can inform how they see the world. And in many ways, I hope it becomes a place, um, the Instagram account, and the PD sessions that we started but then had to pause because of COVID, um, where educators want to collaborate and exchange ideas about text, about pedagogy, and about social change. So I hope it has, um, I hope it feels like a very generative place that's responsive to the needs of people who are working with youth. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mask Lab podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the Just Lit Project, you can check out justlitproject.com or follow their Instagram at justlitproject. You can also learn more about Deetra's work by reading her latest book, Advancing Racial Literacies in Teacher Education, Activism for Equity in Digital Spaces, which she co-authored with TC professor Yolanda Seeley Ruiz. The book is currently available for pre-order through the TC Press. If you have any thoughts about the episode or resources you'd like to share, give us a follow and tweet us at MassLab. This episode was produced and edited by me, Ajane Truss, an alumni member of MassLab at Teachers College Columbia University. Our theme music is Grandma's Impala by Sarah the Instrumentalist, available at YouTube's No Copyright Music channel. Visit our website, MassLab.org, to listen to our podcast series, read blog posts, find out about events, and follow our research.